0: It's the adults who often drive these conversations, right? They're the ones coming to you desperate for a baby, struggling with infertility. Their longings are going to be up front and in your face 100% of the time. The children don't have a voice. The children cannot advocate for themselves.
1: Is Caring for Both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where experts offer insights on what it means to provide evidence based, life affirming health care to both pregnant women and their preborn children. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. If you've followed us on social media, you might know that the 2024 Matthew Bolfin Educational Conference, or MBEC, which APLOG co-hosts with the American College of Pediatricians, is coming up in February 2024. In the few months leading up to MBEC, we're planning on highlighting some of the speakers we have scheduled at this conference, so today I'm excited to share that I'm being joined by Katie Faust, the founder and president of children's rights organization Them Before Us. Them Before Us is a global movement that seeks to prioritize the interests of children in our culture, in politics, and in conversations about marriage and family. Katie publishes, speaks, and testifies widely on why marriage and family are matters of justice for children. Her articles have appeared in Newsweek, USA Today, The Federalist, Public Discourse, The Daily Signal, The Washington Examiner, The American Mind, and The American Conservative. Katie helped design the teen edition of Cana Vox, which studies sex, marriage, and relationships from a natural law perspective. Her latest book, Raising Conservative Kids in a Woke City, was released in September of this year and is available on Amazon in audio, ebook, or print format. She is also the author of Them Before Us, Why We Need a Global Children's Rights Movement, which is also on Amazon. She and her pastor husband are raising their four children in Seattle, Washington. Katie will also be giving a keynote address at EMBEC this February. Katie's work gives her important insights to share about a variety of topics, so today's conversation will offer just a peek at the work that she does and how it can be useful to medical professionals as they think about their approach to patient care. Katie, thank you so much for joining us.
0: It's a joy to be with you, and I'm so looking forward to speaking at your event in February.
1: Absolutely. And we are looking forward to having you on. Um, as we usually do on this podcast, I'd love to start by asking you about your personal journey uh, into children's rights advocacy. So what prompted you to start Them Before Us? Um, well, I the short answer is the
0: left broke me. Um, I was just uh, a stay-at-home mom. We had just come home from adopting our youngest son from China. And the Conversation about gay marriage started to rage in my neck of the woods specifically. And what I heard in those conversations was um, the weaponization of child children's most primal wounds to advance a political aim, um, in essence, saying that kids don't care if they have two moms or two dads mm. so that we could pass gay marriage. Um, and after working with kids in a variety of different settings, um, what, what they were saying is we need to normalize mother and father loss because that's really what it means to be parented by two moms or two dads Is you are losing, you have lost your mom or dad. Um, and what I had seen from kids, um, whether they are kids that I worked with in youth ministry, um, adoptees who, you know, I had been in touch with through my former life as the assistant director of the largest Chinese adoption agency in the world, you know, as a parent, myself interacting with my kids, friends, um, that there really is no greater pain that you can inflict on a child than losing their mother or father, and really nothing else that will set the course of their life in terms of hurdles they need to overcome when they are being raised apart from their mother or father. So that's when I decided to get into this specifically on marriage and started writing about why marriage is a matter of justice for children. But I very, very quickly learned that it's not just marriage where children are being used as tools to advance adult agenda. It is every marriage and family issue from divorce to same-sex parenting to cohabitation to polygamy um, and certainly in the world of reproductive technologies when we're talking about sperm and egg donors and um Surrogacy and even adoption has been used as a tool to advance adult interests above children 's rights, so um, I got into this because I saw that children needed somebody to advocate on their behalf in matters of marriage and family in all these conversations that are obsessively focused on adult desires and adult interests and adult identities. Um, somebody needed to formally advocate for kids, so that's what "Them Before Us" is—the um, our attempt to prioritize the rights of children above the desires of adults. Wow,
1: well, it seems like you really stumbled across a really key insight that uh, permeates every aspect of society. You know, the the idea that um, adults' needs are put being put before those of children, and and that's really harming our society. In a a lot of different ways Um, so it's really important that you have TBU dedicated to just that proposition Them before us Uh, TBU's central vision on your website it states is to build a society that puts children first Uh, in your book you highlighted the detrimental impacts of a society that doesn't prioritize children so I'll just pull a quote from that Um, you say that in in such a society uh, quote children become commodities manufactured, shuffled here and there aborted, sex selected, star of maternal or paternal love robbed of stability and intentionally created to be motherless and fatherless without regards for their needs the violation of children's rights consigns children to the status of an object so let's dive a little bit into that why in your opinion is it important to critically evaluate how many of the issues we face as a society today are impacting children. Can you give us one or two examples of the long-term impacts on children when their needs are secondary to the desires of adults?
0: Well, it's when you look at what's happening in policy right now, and frankly in culture as well, it's very hard to find any area where children's rights and well-being are being promoted above adult interests and desires. And you can see that from COVID policy, you can see that to abortion narratives, you can certainly see it um, in all of the family redefinition um, efforts that are being made. Um, There really is no area where we are prioritizing the rights of children to life right to their mother and father above adult desires and adult interests. And so what we do with them before us is we really just say all of these different issues, um, cohabitation, divorce, the definition of marriage, um, who should use, who can and should use reproductive technologies in what ways, they're not separate issues. These are not separate issues. They are all manifestations of the same question. And that is, are you respecting or are you violating the rights of children? And so I think that's one reason why Them Before Us has, thank God, um, been granted so much influence in conversations both culturally and in policy, um, because we actually make this very, very simple. We actually look at all these different issues and we say, here's the metric that you need to use to figure out whether or not this is um, going to produce a just outcome. For children and thus all of society um, or whether or not it is an unjust outcome and the metric that we use is who is sacrificing for who who is sacrificing for who at them before us we insist that adults do hard things on behalf of children Um, and all of these marriage and family issues that we are confronting are challenging issues people in struggling marriages people with unwanted singleness people dealing with same-sex attraction people navigating infertility These are very serious and challenging issues for adults, but the answer cannot be, it cannot be that a child sacrifices their rights and well-being so adults can live as they please. So um, we really try to reorient the way we are looking at all these different manifestations of the questions about marriage
1: and family around, what about the kid? We put them at the center of it all. That's really important. You're certainly right. That that fairly simple question of who is sacrificing for whom uh, can have profound implications for the way that we conduct our society at at every sector. So I'm almost a little bit disappointed that we only have, you know, 20 or so minutes to talk because I feel like we could go on and on. Um, But this podcast, you know, I'll, I'll narrow down our conversation. This podcast is aimed at helping medical professionals Navigate ethically challenging situations that they face in their practice. So um, let's narrow down to the the topic of healthcare. Uh you've already alluded a little bit to this, but um, can you tell us some of the ways that you've observed that our healthcare system fails to put children first?
0: Oh, my. Well, that's such a big bucket. I don't know where to begin. Um, you know, we I personally, you know do a lot of writing about how children have a right to life, have a right to their mother and father, have a right to um innocence in terms of their mind, um, and have a right to an unmedicalized, intact body. And you can see how the medical world intersects with all four of those child rights in a variety of different ways. But then before us, um, our primary focus is children's rights in the family. So for the sake of time, we'll just sort of talk about how is it that the medical profession has been implicated in the destruction or the deconstruction of children's rights to their mother and father. Um, That happens in two different ways, I would say in the baby making industry, that would be IVF and the fertility world and the baby taking industry, that would be abortion. Um, and that in both of those areas, children's right to life is, um, hangs in the balance. I think all of us are very familiar, especially your listeners, um, with how, how abortion violates children's right to life and how egregious it is no matter what form it takes, no matter what time, what stage the abortion um, takes place, it's always a violation of children's right to life. Your audience is probably pretty familiar with the fact that Big Fertility also harvests, takes, disregards, freezes, donates to research um, hundreds of thousands of embryonic life every year. So we are one of the few voices. There's more catching on, pointing out the fact that the medical arm uh, that is supposedly responsible for family building actually um, is responsible for taking more embryonic life than the abortion industry does every year. So when you look at, um, by the numbers, right, the last count was CDC in 2020, abortion took around 750,000 children that year. 900,000 lives were lost to big fertility. So it's no accident that after Dobbs came down last year that fertility doctors in red states were panicking because they said, you know what, if we identify life as beginning at conception, we are not going to be able to have fertility clinics in red states because they do so much um, grading of embryos, um, disposing of embryos, Researching on embryos, that this would now be considered a human rights violation, a violation of a child's right to life if we, you know, categorize children as having a right to life based um, beginning from conception. So we shine quite a bit of light on the reproductive technologies' harm to children's right to life. But beyond that, um, anytime you're using a third party in the reproduction process, somebody else's egg, somebody else's sperm somebody else's womb um, what you're getting is a child whose right to their mother or father is violated and this is not something that we have spent enough time thinking about in the christian world um, in the ethics world and even in the conservative world that really in all of these situations Um, you are separating a child from one of their genetic parents or their birth parents. It's always insisting that children do hard things on behalf of adults. It's always a violation of the rights of the child, and very often it is going to be detrimental to their identity, their development, and their upbringing.
1: Wow. So even just in the area of reproductive health care, there is a lot of work that we have to do to um, make sure that we kind of pass your simple who sacrifices for whom test. Um, so that that might be really... Um, It might be discouraging to to some medical professionals, but it might be really motivating uh, for them to really be intentional about the way that they conduct their practice and the way that they advocate for um, all of their patients from, you know, the the embryonic stage of life all the way to natural death. So just on on behalf of the medical professionals who might be listening and who are interested in in making the right changes, how do you think medical professionals can work to prioritize the interests of children in their personal practice or at more of a systemic level? Um, And also, have you personally talked with anyone in your organization who has had their physician do this well?
0: Mm, That's a great question. I think that once everybody, including physicians, have this information, um, that is what they need to advocate on behalf of all their patients. And when I say all their patients, you know, it's the adults who often drive these conversations, right? They're the ones coming to you desperate for a baby, struggling with infertility. Their desires, their longings are going to be upfront and in your face 100% of the time. The children don't have a voice. The children cannot advocate for themselves. So what we have tried to do in our book is tell you exactly what those kids think and how they are impacted. Um, In our first book, Then Before Us, Why We Need a Global Children's Rights Movement, we have an entire section, entire chapter on why biology matters and the impact that children experience when they are separated from a biological adult, a biological parent, um, even at the moment of conception. And read their stories. Look at how they struggle with their identity. Examine the increased risk for them when they are raised in households where an unrelated adult is functioning as a parent. Um, these are not trivial um, challenges that they face. They very, this, this is very often uh, the dividing line between kids who thrive and kids who are, are at serious risk of abuse and neglect. Read their stories in chapter seven, where we talk about kids um, who are created through these technologies and how they feel commodified, how they feel like a designer product how they are dealing with genealogical bewilderment, how they wish that they had complete and accurate medical records, how they're worried that they might be dating, accidentally dating one of their dozens or hundreds of half-siblings, how they fantasize and long for the missing parent, their biological father or their biological mother, that all their life they've been told, that's not a parent, that's just a donor, and they're nothing to you. I think the most helpful thing to anybody that cares about Children, their rights, and their well being is first familiarize yourself with the true victims, and that is the children. The victims are not the adults who desperately want a thing. The victims are the children whose rights are being denied. And we've done, you know, a a huge part of what we do with them before us is finding and sharing and presenting the stories and the voices of these kids themselves so that you have a very accurate understanding of exactly what these technologies cost kids all their life.
1: Absolutely, and and yeah, that's, you, you're definitely giving medical professionals something important to consider. Um, obviously the the rights and the interests of the adults that they're talking to when they're uh, serving uh patients who are hoping to get pregnant, maybe not able to or or you know who find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy and might not want to be pregnant uh, their their rights and interests are front and center of of conversations that they they have most likely um but it it might take a little bit more effort to consider the rights. Of the children in this situation, um, because they they are also uh, people. We, we um, that's one of our major propositions at APLOG is we respect and and want to honor the lives and the health of um, all of our patients, preborn, pregnant, or otherwise. Um, and so what, what you're saying, Katie, seems like something that's really important for people to think about. Uh, I just want to echo if, if uh, our listeners want to read Them Before Us, Why We Need a Global Children's Rights Movement. That book really goes into more detail of the stories and the, the relevant facts and data um, behind what, what Katie's saying right now. And also... Um, if you come to MBEC, you will get to hear a lot more of what she has to say. Uh, so so one last, one last question before uh, we depart. I just want to quickly ask, aside from your presentation at MBEC, uh, what are some events and projects by you or by TBU that our listeners can look forward to? And also, where can people go to find you online?
0: Oh, great. We have so much, so much happening. Um, We are on the advisory board for the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship, um, which is Jordan Peterson's new project. Um, The inaugural conference is being held in a month, and we are about to, they are about to publish the research paper that we wrote for them that identifies how culture, law, and technology have uh, collaborated to, in essence, make children function as accessories to um, adult desires and adult, um, interests. So that is going to be, um, hitting the internet in the next week or so. Um, we are working on a documentary that is going to take all these child centric principles and, um, really do a good job of explaining why we have to examine all these issues from the perspective of the child, Um, of particular interest to you guys next week, next year, we will be unveiling, um, what we call the children's first HR policies. So much of what um, major corporations offer to their employees in the name of family building or healthcare actually violates the rights of children. So we are going to design a children's first HR benefits package that does not pay for companies that fly people to states where they can have abortion or subsidize IVF, you know, that destroys more embryonic life than abortion does every year um, or, you know, pays for sperm or egg or donations or surrogates. Everything that our HR policy is going to focus on will be medical care or general care that upholds the rights of children, their right to life, and their right to their mother and father. So um, that is going to be unveiled early next year. We're also going to be creating a satirical video. Uh, that is going to pair with that so people can actually understand how damaging um, these HR benefits are to kids. So come to thembeforeus.com and subscribe at the bottom of the homepage. There is so much happening. I am very excited for how this child-centric message is taking hold and um, really shaping the way people think about the personal and the political as it relates to children. And we would love to have you all on board because you are critical, you play critical roles in how people think about marriage and family, um, parenthood and reproduction. And um, we would love to have you as frontline um, soldiers on this battle to advocate on behalf of kids.
1: I'm excited too. That all sounds very innovative and extremely important. So thank you so much for sharing all that. And I'll be sure to put all that information in the show notes uh, so people can more easily access uh, all the resources you mentioned. So yeah, Katie, thank you so much for joining us to share your insights. And we're really looking forward to hearing more from you at our conference in February. Uh, if you're a medical professional and you haven't yet registered for MBAC, uh what are you waiting for? You will not want to miss Katie's full talk along with many other outstanding speakers as well as the opportunity to network with hundreds of pro-life colleagues so head on over now to aaplog.org mbec 2024 that's mbec 2024 to register if you're a dues-paying member of aplog or acpeds uh, you'll get a special discount on your registration saving you nearly hundred dollars we cannot wait to see you there thank you so much katie thank you for having me And a massive thank you to our listeners for joining us today. If you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review on whatever podcast app you're using to listen. If you have any topic requests, you can reach out to us on social media via the links in the description of this episode or via email at info at aaplog.org. If you're a medical professional interested in joining the Applog community, we'd love to have you become a member by going to aaplog.org slash join. We exist to support your pro-life practice. We will see you next week.